Well, welcome back to Voice in the Distance Ministries as we're going to be in uh, Exodus chapter 17. Um, now that we've uh, finally made it through Christmas and we're approaching the new year, we've been... Um, Taking a little break, and uh, so, but I've noticed that there are some other chapters that could still be listened to. But we are venturing along as we're going into uh, chapter 17 of Exodus. And in chapter 16, uh, that message was titled, Bread from Heaven. And so when we take the bread from heaven, well, there's something else that people are in need of in the forms of survival, and that's also water. <laughs> and we're going to be observing that as well today. But, you know, the way that God provides is really something. You know, God provided through through this manna from heaven, and and this manna was was referred to as as a question of what is it? That's the, that is the translation of manna. We we know manna as bread, but in the translation of the Hebrew, manna means what is this? Because it was a special bread. It was a bread that 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 looked different from from what they made from a human perspective. It tasted different from what how they made it from a human perspective. It was. Um, the way that uh, Moses described this manna, it was it was in the form of something a little sweeter. And, and leave it to God, you know, leave it to God to create such a thing that that that, that God would would rain manna from the sky. How does that work, right? And, and yet it, it tastes, you know, it tasted so good still because it came from heaven. It came from God, and so. But it wasn't just bread alone, you know. In the evening time, the Lord rained down quail for them. So he actually provided meat as well. Uh, so we don't want to mistake in that, that God only just gave them bread, you know. He gave them, he gave them quail as well. And to my understanding, I've never had quail, but um, to my understanding, it's, it's, it's pretty good. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that, um, that this quail that God provided was probably better than what most people would have, you know, <laughs> killed and and uh, and cooked. You know, most people have to hunt for these things. Well, these fell from the sky, so so uh, you know it was fresh daily on every sense. And so that's what God did. He did these amazing acts, you know. But on the um, during that time, He also instituted what they were to do and not do in the form of how to collect it, because He instituted the Sabbath. He instituted the very first Sabbath at this time, actually before what we would normally read at the Ten Commandments, which we're going to get to pretty soon. But in, in this case, what he did was, is he actually told them in chapter 16, you are to gather everything. You're to gather everything the day before the Sabbath. Gather twice as much, because I don't want you doing anything on this day that you would normally do. Now, some people, they, uh, they didn't listen to God. They went ahead and, and, and made an attempt, but they, be, they came up empty-handed. And so they disobeyed the, the rule. They disobeyed the law of God. And, and so, and that's what happens when we do that. We come, we come up empty-handed, and sometimes what we do find in hand is not something we ended up wanting in the, in the first place. But it was a it was a pretty good chapter, you know. I mean, it was it was it was really informative on what God did and how He did it, and in 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 the miracles. <clears throat> and we're going to see that today in, in chapter seventeen on how God provide uh, how He provided water for them as well in a vast desert. You know, only God can do such things. And, and how sweet it is to 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 know that when when you're with God, that He's going to. He's going to provide or he's going to do something in some way, shape, or form. And, and so I want us to remember that. Even myself at times, you know, I'm, I, I am no different. I'm no better. 
I go through the same things as, as other people do. You know, we all question why. We all question how. But, you know, I think one of the keys is, is that how often do we... Uh, how often do we thank God enough just just during those uh, during those hard times as, as well as through the good times? Thank you, Lord, for getting us through, but just thank you, Lord, for being there. He was with them every single day in one way, shape, or form. Providing, providing fire at night for them to see. Providing, uh, providing a cloud to cover them in the day to keep them from being scorched by the sun. Because you've got to remember 40 days, I mean 40 years, I mean, of traveling through that desert. They had some hot summers. It had some brutal weather at times. So God, again, took care of every provision. Let's take a look at uh, chapter 17 as we observe verses, uh, verses 1 through 4 first. And it said, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained uh, against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do uh, with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. <laughs> you know, the previous chapter, we seen that God had provided that manna from, from heaven. And, you know, and again, uh, six days a week because God didn't want them to gather on the Sabbath, as I said. But now water comes into play. Uh, something. This is something that could end our lives a little sooner uh, than going without uh, than it does without going without food. Moses called them. He called them out correctly. Why do you bother me? Uh, I cannot bring water into existence. But as always, someone has to be uh, the one to take it out on, right? <laughs> there are some problems that can be solved by careful thought. Uh, discussion, uh, good counsel can solve problems. But the, the greatest way to solve something is, actually, is just 100% through prayer. I think they forget that if, if they're thirsty, if they're thirsty, so is Moses. But when, when they were hungry, so was Moses. But but as a person who has been hungry or thirsty, our, you know our demeanor can get pretty nasty. Uh, any of us could be guilty of this. But see, yes, Moses was the leader, and, and he was expected to lead them to water. And 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 I like to quote the Book of Psalms a lot. And and the most well-known Psalm is chapter twenty-three. We all, if you've heard that one, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. In the passage, David said during that passage, he said that the Lord he leads me beside still waters. In recognizing as David was a leader himself, he as well re required the leading of the same God that led Moses and the people. He, he recognized that he could not accomplish anything without the provisions of God. And, and one thing that Moses and David had in common before they were in the position of leading the people, that these guys were both shepherds leading sheep. And, and that has always been some of the best training in leadership, if you think about it. <laughs> If you could take care of sheep and, and, and care for them with your life, well, God uses that. He sees that in the heart of those shepherds, which he put them in charge of people and made them national leaders. See, I wouldn't be surprised if Moses thought at times, you know, I, I miss those days. Sheep can't complain or stone me. You know, he did that for 40 years. See, Moses' life, it consisted of, of three 
40-year periods. Because he, he died at 120, but he, he's going to die at 120 years old. But we see he spent the first 40 years in, in, uh, in Egypt, in the Egyptian Empire. And then he had 40 years of this quiet life, shepherding sheep in the desert. And then his last 40 years will be in that of the leading of the people to the promised land. As we go on, we will see that it will not be the easiest task in those 40 years. And we will see some interesting events that occurred on top of it. But, you know, God is in control because Moses got to be part of what was going on. But it was God and God all along. Moses said, how long will you test the Lord to the people? Because Moses knew that, that it was God and not he himself. You know, being a, being a leader amongst a couple million people is not an easy task, especially traveling in a vast desert. If you have a godly leader or those in leadership, prayer, you know, prayer, love, and support is definitely needed to them, as much as it is for you. Because there are two types of leaders out there. There's only good ones or bad ones. The bad ones are those who put themselves, who put themselves there so they can lord over people or be in the spotlight, and maybe many other reasons. But the good ones are called by God. And they're anointed by God who truly cares for others and their lives. And Moses was definitely one of those who was called and cared for, uh, who, who was called and one who cared for the people. And if you have that in leadership, cherish and pray for them. Because it is a blessing to have if, if you have experienced the joy of a, of a servant of God versus that of a, of a self-appointed leader who basically wants to just make himself into the spotlight. So please, by all means, observe these things, but pray for those who are true. Don't pray for those. Don't 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 just be a part of those for the sake of popularity. Be a part of those for the sake of who's true. Now let's take a look at verse five through seven. It says, "And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also, take in your hand your rod with which you struck the the river and go." Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it. And the people may drink, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of, of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So another miracle of God, right? He, he parted the sea in half so they could cross. And, and now he actually brings water out from a big rock. Now, to see that is something. But we, we forget there are about two million people here complaining. And that, you know, they're complaining. And, and, and then however big this rock was, how, you know, and how much water came out of it, that, that's what I'd like to see. <laughs> because water doesn't come from rocks, yet alone enough to, full, uh, to fulfill that many people, you'd think. Well, you know, scientifically or ge geologically speaking, but, you know, divinely, from a divinity point, it's where we're looking at here. Moses and his staff that he used, that he tapped that rock with or hit that rock with, it, that staff have a lot of important things that were done over time. You know, and perhaps God wanted them to not thirst physically, but he wanted them to thirst a little more for him. And, and so this place had just what they needed. Right? God is with them in the middle of nowhere. He is their rock and the rock w with, the, with the living water. 
Now, in their travels, they went in a circle for 40 years. You know, did the rock follow? Was was there other rocks out there? We don't, we don't know. All we do know is that they, they did not go thirsty or hungry because provisions came daily. So in this event, Moses named the area Massah or Marib- and Meribah, which means temptation or, or that of testing. And this place will be brought up to the, to the later generation in the book of Deuteronomy as the, as the travel will come to an end. But what God said to this next generation was in chapter 6. He says, You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you have tempted, in, tempted him in, uh, in Massah. In chapter 9, it says, uh, Massah, you provoked the Lord to wrath. And then in chapter 33, verse 8, Your Holy One whom you tested at Massah, and with whom you contended with the waters of Meribah. So this was brought up three different times later on after this event. We see that God was not pleased at all, as he reminds the, the new generation this in, in the form of a warning, a command more so that, that you will not do what your mothers and fathers did in the beginning. God is again slow to anger and glad to have us, right? But when we come around, you know, when we come around outside of our stubbornness, it makes it a little, uh, <laughs> makes it a little tough at times, you know, when, when we want to be that way, but God still loves his people. Amen. And I just found out, you know, I found out about my um, my father-in-law. My father-in-law has a younger brother, and he's the uh, he's the only one in the family I think that I've never met. And this was due to um, mental disorders. Um, he's been in uh, he's been in mental facilities for about forty years, and his personal journey through the desert, coming to the Lord, was was through this time. We're talking 40 years, 40 years in a mental facility. And he's on his deathbed right now. And my father-in-law for 20 years or, or, you know, or so has been trying to tell him about the Lord and wanted, you know, he wanted nothing to do with him. He, he would take the, the Bible he gave to him and, and he'd throw it on the roof of the place that he was staying. But, but on his deathbed, while he was incoherent, he, he, he spoke the gospel to him. And while on the phone with my mother-in-law, he was asked uh, one more time if he wanted to receive the salvation of Christ. And if so, because he couldn't, he couldn't talk, he said, raise your hand, since you can't talk. So he awoke during the time and rose his hand. See, God probably did move that rock around filled with water because he can. And he could do much more. But we need to avoid the actions of the people in this account because God deserves honor, love, and worship, not contention or anything close to that. He's the Lord who loves all, but with, with that, let's see what happens next here in, in verse 8 through 12. And now in a different scenario happens. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some, uh, some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. 
You know, we come now to, the, to some names mentioned for the first time. Uh, that of Joshua and then that of Amalek. Uh, Joshua will one day take the place of the leadership when Moses passes away. And he will be the one, uh, he'll be the one of the chosen ones to lead the people into the promised land. Amalek, though, is the founder of the Amalekites, who will be one of the most bitter enemies of the, of the Israelites for some time. And Amalek would be the uh, Amalek would be the grandson of Esau. If you remember going through Genesis, um, Esau was the twin brother of Jacob. Uh, Esau was the one who sold his birthright to his brother for a bowl of lentil soup. And, and God said before Esau was born that he, this was before these two uh, twins were born. He says, you know, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Why would God say that? Well, looking at the descendants of Esau and the life and history of him, we see why God was angry with him and his descendants. They became some of the most wicked people on the face of the earth at that time. And it came to this because the Amalekites, for no good reason, came out to attack the Israelites in what would look like ancient day gang warfare. Uh, territory, dislike, you know, just just evil. These people were, right? As time went on, God commanded that not one of them should be left or any of their possessions. Nothing left. That's how bad that they had become over the years. That God says none of them or their possessions are to be left. Because of how wicked they were and, and how much trouble they have caused his people. But Joshua was chosen to assemble fighting men. This would be the first war that an Israelite would have to fight. We know that they were slaves in Egypt, right? They, they would not be trained in fighting. So, once again, they were put into a new task where faith in God was again necessary. Moses, when, when he left the Egyptian kingdom for murdering a man, Moses fought some shepherds uh, near some wells that were abusing some women. And he actually beat them. He was, he was obviously trained in warfare. But now that he's 80 years old or more, you know, not he's no longer 40 when he was when he defeated these guys. He's now 80. His warfare was in that of prayer. And and once again, he was to use his staff, arms. He was used to use his staff with his arms raised in the air. And, and as long as he was able to do that, the Israelites were successful. If his arms fell, the Amalekites got the upper hand. See, this was the occasion where God used Moses in the account to win a war. You know, some will say this was an Old Testament thing. But I can take us to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. You know, Paul said in, in that chapter, uh, Paul said that I, uh, I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And, and there is a valuable lesson in what was done here in the outlook of prayer. And, and association. First, you know, prayer first and foremost, because God must be first in all things. Second, in that of associating with the right people. We all need good friends, but true friends are the ones standing next to you in the battle or in the foxholes. And as believers, we're going to run into a form of an Amalekite who will oppose or even hate you for no good reason. Some will stand by you and others will be like Moses in prayer for you depending on the calling. So, so pray without ceasing, right? Pray without ceasing was exhorted to us and, and this was the example of hands raised to God. And, and later on in forms of prayer, Jews would pray in, in this form at times as it, as it will be seen in the Bible, right? Holding, holding each other's arms up as vital as Aaron and her uh, were doing in, in the prayer and the spiritual battle 
It can be a fight in its own, just as it can be a sweet and comforting time. But may we not cease in prayer. Why? Because it's a free call to God at any time. Now let's go ahead and take a look at verses 13 to 16. This is a shorter chapter, which ends it right there. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And as I mentioned earlier, that did come true because long after Moses was gone, we had seen um, issues, issues with the Amalekites. And if you've ever observed the book of 1 Samuel, right? And that was the book that I'm referring to many years later. But though when, when the last of them, or, or the least, or at the least what we thought was the last, because King Saul, the very first king of Israel, did not finish the job when he was sent out to kill them hundreds of years after this, when Moses wrote down what God had said about the Amalekites. But now after reading this, you see, I cannot, I cannot resist to give a piece of info to equip the strong believers from those who oppose the Bible. I found something interesting here. This, you know, because scholars uh, scholars claim that writing, the ability to write, did not exist during the time of Moses. So people people would say that Moses could not have written the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, because writing did not exist during this time. Well, verse fourteen debunks that after Moses was told by God to write this down. So we could see that God, that Moses did have the ability to write because Moses wrote this down in a book, in a chronicle of a sense. But second to debunk it, the second archaeologist actually found a kingdom called Eblam. Uh, and that was mentioned in Genesis, uh, this little kingdom of Eblam. And... and um, the, this, these these uh, scholars, right? The found written uh, people have found written documents in the kingdom that scholars said Eblam did not exist, and this was during the time of Abraham, whether uh, hundreds of years to a thousand years before Moses even. See, I, I just could not help but to bring that up and make it known. <laughs> but after this attack on the people and the defeat of the Amalekites, God declared war and, and defeat upon them, as they would be an enemy of His people. This was a serious offense to God. We, we see that there are people that are so wicked, so wicked that God had to take extreme measures in dealing with their hatred and their vile acts. And, and there would be other battles in the Bible with them. So God has always, God has always was right in prophecy. And an altar was built in worship in remembrance of the defeat and praise to God. The Lord is my banner was the name of the, uh, of the altar. You know, looking at life, when we look at our lives, you know, what kind of banner do we put in our existence? Joshua, you know, Joshua was given the word uh, uh, of this. And in that same time, Joshua will have another saying in the book of Joshua that is popular in banners or plaques and pictures in the homes of Christians all over. And, that is, and it says that, uh, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
And that was something that Joshua declared in, in his book. And today, thousands of years later, we see pictures that being sold with that particular saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so, there were, um, these were memor- uh, memorials of remembrance of, of what happened and where it happened. Even Abraham built one to God, right? It, 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 is the Lord our banner? Is the Lord your banner? Or, or is it something else, right? What is our banner? Is it our hobbies? Is it our passion in life that only help us uh, preoccupy some time? Well, God will preoccupy our time, and, and the most precious time will be our time in eternity. But, but we can preoccupy our time with Him here and now because it is the best time to spend. That time with the Lord, recognizing that He is our banner and that He is our rock, and most of all, He is our loving, gracious, and perfect Father. After each message, it is always my privilege to not just make known what God had done, but to introduce you to all of our, all of our Father. Right, the one who who he sent to die for us in in this world, and, and to give us everlasting life in heaven, to to anyone that should believe and receive in him, that'd be Christ Jesus who came and who, he lived and died, he and proved exactly who he was by dying and rising again three days later, and he did it once and for all, a once and for all sacrifice to give us uh, to give us a way to the Father, and, and if you want to receive. That salvation, if you want to receive that free ticket to heaven that he paid for by his life, then you can, then you can pray after me to receive him if you feel led. But that's the thing, you know, the Lord will speak to you. He'll speak to your heart. He'll, he'll want you to want him in truth. Not just for the sake of, of, of like, well, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but I, I don't want anything to do with him. I, but I do want to go to heaven, but that's not how it works. We, we, can't, we can't really experience anything until we've had him in our hearts. Until we receive him as, as Father, as Lord and Savior. And, and by that, we get a little piece of heaven on earth while we're waiting until we get to be with him. So I welcome you. Uh, I welcome you to, to take this opportunity. Because tomorrow is never guaranteed. And, and whatever it is you're going through, through the best or through the worst of times, it doesn't matter because we need him through those best and worst of times. And one of these times, our times will end. The question is, is where are we willing to go? And he wants us with him up there. And that's why he came. That's, that's why this message was given. So I want to give the opportunity right now. Let's go ahead and say this prayer together again if you've been led to do so. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you that I am a sinner. And Lord, I ask of you to cleanse me. And wash me of all of my sins. And Father, Lord, I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for dying for me, Lord. And I thank you for having me, Father, Lord, as one of your own, Lord. 
is I now receive you as my Father, as my Savior and my Lord. I love you, Lord. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, again, I always pray that that somebody out there said that prayer because you made the, the greatest decision of your life by doing so. You know, he wants everybody. He wants us all. He doesn't... He doesn't have grandchildren. We're all his children. So I pray that we'll get to experience him in that aspect. You know, life isn't always easy. But having him makes things just a little easier when those times get tough. But one day, because of what you did, when our time ends, you're never going to have a problem again. So thank him for that. And praise Him for that, as He gave us that precious gift. May God bless you.